Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. You know, um, more and more, I'm finding that I'm skipping all of the preliminaries that we usually mention at the front end of the program. We'll put them in later uh, to get right to our guests, because uh, we always have a limited amount of time. Even if we go an hour and a half, it's still a limited amount of time to really dive into the subject. And one of the subjects that has always been interesting for me, especially being in radio, one of the first um, uh, designs, if you will, uh, uh, for a radio that receives those radio wave, those frequencies that are coming in, was called a crystal radio set. And it used crystals to pick up these waves. And then it was hooked up to a speaker so you could hear uh, what those waves were, you know, hear the conversion into audio. Well, in the context of what we're talking about today, it's sort of kind of along the same lines of drawing in those waves. We'll talk about what those are with our very special guests. And we're going to talk about the quantum intention and wish fulfilling gem. The title of the book is Chintamani Crystal Matrix with our very special guests on the program, Happy Hara and John Dennis Cover. And I want to welcome the two of you to our program and to this conversation. I know that a lot of people think that uh, crystals are, which oh, woo woo, oh, come on, that's just, you're, you're making it up. It's mind over matter, it's um, a hallucination, et cetera, et cetera. Welcome, both of you. You are, neither of you are hallucinations. <laughs> we, we don't think we are. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, uh, Happy, tell me, how did you first become interested in uh, not just the uh, uh, this particular, especially the title of the book, the Chintamani Crystal Matrix, but crystals in general, when, when were you first introduced to them? Oh, I, I mean, you're going to early childhood memories now. Uh, it, it was my grandmother. My grandmother had a rock tumbler. She collected crystals. She would take me to rock hound sites in Arizona. She took me to crystal stores. She'd buy me crystals, and then we'd do the rock tumbling. And she had these, this big bowl of crystals and agates. And I was, when I was a little kid, I'd go over to grandma's house and pick them up. I mean, I just, I loved crystals from day one. I mean, so it just, it's so... I, I, I probably start off more as a, like, just a, a little, when I was a little kid, just being a rock hound. I still have those crystals those days, to this day, the ones that my grandmother gave me. Probably one that re I really, really remember is she gave me a Herkimer diamond once that she'd gotten in Africa, okay? And this thing, you know, Herkimer diamonds are, like, really clear. And I picked up, I thought, I thought it was magic. I thought it was just this magic crystal that could do powerful things. So, I mean, so I've, I've been probably thinking like that my whole life, you know, like crystals are magical. And how about you, John, De De John Dennis? Uh, how did you first become interested? Well, the, like Happy, uh, I had an aunt who was a, a teacher in a, a high school. And um, she, you know, she taught geology and biology. And so... Um, you know, we, you could go home. You know, I would go home sometimes and ask my mom, like, where's my brother and my sister? And she said, they're out rocking with your aunt. And, and <laughs> it wasn't music. They were out looking for trilobites or they were looking for uh, fossils or they were looking for crystals. So, you know, just went out on all these sort of like ex expeditions. 
um, to, you know, to all of these different sites looking for things. And, you know, and then it sort of embeds this idea of a quest because it's like, you're not just going to a store where you can buy whatever is there. It's like, you got to find it. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was introduced to crystals probably in my late teens, early 20s, as I first uh, started working in this business and um, was introduced to metaphysics as, as well as spirituality. Matter of fact, my first wife and I used to uh, go to a spiritualist church in Phoenix. And, uh, and, and we would actually, I kid you not, because I didn't drive at that time, we would take our tandem, our bicycle built for two, and bicycle across town uh, to attend. There was just something about that vibe. And they had crystals all over the place. Mm. And when I go into some of the metaphysical stores, like for we have one uh, down up in uh, Solvang, California, a, uh, a Dutch community, um, <clears throat> I'm probably going to get in trouble because it's, it's probably Danish, but nonetheless, the name is Solvang. You figure it out. <laughs> anyway, they have a metaphysical store there, and they've got crystals all over, all over the place. And it just feels really cool to go in there, as well as uh, another one here in Santa Barbara called Paradise Found, again, with crystals all over the place. Um, let me ask you about this, this uh, uh, Chintamani uh, crystal matrix. Uh, what is that? What what are we what are we actually talking about? Is it a, an actual physical crystal, or are we talking about uh, uh, a a theory or a concept or a philosophy, et cetera, et cetera? We are talking about it all. So on on one okay. level, you know, so it's like it exists like so many things on different levels. So you know, the first level is like, are these you know great gems, you know, that are part of of our mythology, um, you know, and it's, it, it just sort of, it, it goes all the way back, you know, to our, our deep mythology, that there's this great Chintamani, which just means, it does mean wish fulfilling in Sanskrit. So that's sort of what it is. Or sometimes you could translate it as mind gem, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, it's not just like an intention, like a frivolous wish, but it's a, you know, like caring for, it has that idea of caring for. So it's something that you put a little bit of thought in. It's like, well, what do you want? It's not like you answer ice cream. You know, it's like, what do you want that's going to, you know, benefit um, people and benefit those around you? You have to think about it. Um, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask Happy about her introduction to the Chintamani Crystal Matrix. Well, um, I, so, of course, I collected rock, I've collected rocks and crystals my whole life. I'm, I'm even a, a mineral dealer. I live in Tucson. We have the world's largest gem and mineral show. Okay, so I, I just grew up with so many minerals. And then I got into the metaphysical aspect of it actually a little later. Um, and uh, oddly enough, even though I, was, I had done a lot of research, I never heard of this term called Chintamani, this wish-fulfilling gem, which comes more from, it's a, it's a Sanskrit word meaning mind jam. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, it seemed like John Dennis and I were, were at the rock, the, the gem show. And I ran across this actually, you know, in a tech type dealers booth. And um, I asked him, what's this Chintamani? And then John Dennis is like, Oh, yeah, that's the wish fulfilling gem. And I said, How come I've never heard of this? And I, I think that that point, it launched um John Dennis into this, this quest to go and examine it. Because even though John Dennis said he had heard of it, he all of a sudden, I think he kind of had this realization, like, why aren't we putting more attention to this? And why, why does the, like, even the new age community put more attention to it? Um, that, that there's like this, 
essence and crystals that you can tap into that has this like power to actually create things. Um, and it goes deeper than that. But that's not, that's kind of how it launched a quest for us is all, all of a sudden I think we realized that there was not enough attention being put on this and that there's even hidden practices around it too. There apparently is also a lot that is connected with the Chintamani uh, uh, crystal matrix and just Chintamani in general <clears throat> from East and West and so forth from other parts of the world, uh, but also connected somehow. And I'd love for you to um, uh, either of you to elaborate it. By the way, it's it's always uh, a sign of disaster if you put a question out there, but you don't want to address you don't address <laughs> one of the participants in the in the panel. But you talk about the connection or uh, uh, with the Holy Grail, Atlantis. Um, and, uh, and and other uh, other aspects of, for example, uh, Shambhala, which, by the way, I used to play this um, this computer game back in the late '90s. It was actually called Heaven and Hell, uh, but mm. it was just a a series of puzzles, all kinds of different puzzles. And as you uh, as you solved each puzzle, you would get a phrase or a quote uh, connected with, and eventually, I never never got through all the levels but uh it, it was it had to do with this whole aspect of shambhala which i always found was fascinating i'm also very interested in the kabbalah the tree of life uh and and for that matter i guess you might put it in the context of ancient judaism uh because of the traditions and of course the conversations i've had with rabbis tell me about some of the 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 uh, uh myths if you will and Maybe some of the realities, so some of not the not myths of right. the Monty Stone. Well, we tried to actually, do, you know, look into both. So, um, you know, on the myth level, the earliest myth we could find is a Hindu myth, and it was about the churning of the of the milk ocean, and uh, it was a fight between the gods and the anti gods. Uh, and but but the main like, you know, the, the main deity, which is, you know, like Father, Son, Holy Ghost, it's a, it, like there's a trinity, but, you know, they have different names in Sanskrit. Um, they were sort of brought in to rescue um, the gods, so to speak, and they stir the milk ocean. And what comes out of it is 14 what they call rotnas or gems. And one of the gems is is the wish fulfilling gem. You know, plus there's these other other things that come out of this ocean. And the the key part, part of this is that only the the god Vishnu, which is sort of like equivalent to, you know, the reincarnated god that takes care, you know, from time to time of putting the universe back together. So like a function like, you know, Christ had, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like putting things back together on this planet. Only that person could hold the wish fulfilling gem. gem because other people would use it just for themselves. And then, you know, then they would corrupt it. They would corrupt its use. And then so what it comes down to, you know, the moral of this myth, myth is that all of us, if we're looking for the gem, it's like we have to avoid being corrupted. But once we get this, we can benefit a lot of people, you know, so like the search for it is the purifying process of, you know, so that we, when we when we do attain it, we will be using it in the proper way. I find it interesting too, because this thought came to me as, as we began this program, uh, of the, 
<clears throat> of the concept that was elucidated in the movie The Secret, The Law of Attraction. And I was interviewing someone shortly after that DVD came out, which I do have a copy of and I've watched a few times. And they said they left something out. Now, they didn't necessarily do it intentionally, but they left something out. And I went, well, really? Okay, well, what was that? And it was, they said, how do you know that that which you are trying to, wanting, wanting to attract to yourself has anything to do with your higher purpose in this life? And I thought, that's interesting, because maybe we will draw to us things that we don't have any business having. Now we'd like it, we want it, our ego, our personality. Oh yeah, man, I would love to have a Corvette, you know, or a mega yacht, or, or you know, whatever. I mean, whatever the, you know, the, the desire is. But how do we know that that really has anything to do with our life's purpose and so forth? And it's not to say that this life is supposed to be drudgery, but you talk about the quantum intention uh, and the wish fulfillment gem. Um, are we talking about just in general wishes or are we talking about having a genuine, deep understanding or, or awareness of what the intention for us, for us as individuals uh, ought to be or needs to be or should be or, you know, in terms of, let's say, our life's purpose. Happy? Um, I, I like this question because um, I, I feel like the book, when you put the wish fulfilling gem on the front cover, mm -hmm. it's like immediately one thinks, oh, well, here is the magic. Here's the magic tool to get anything I want. Okay. <laughs> and that's really not what the book is about. Mm -hmm. the, the, the book is really about, uh, you know, I, I, when, when you set an intention, there's a, there is a huge, there's a huge amount of energy that needs to go around that. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, and I even have, I even lead like some, some meditational workshops about this. I even have people like write down an intention and, um, and then we do some purification around and doing crystals and, you know, and then, uh, and working with the chakra system. And then we get to the point of like, because I actually teach people how to program crystals with intentions. Many times people's intentions will shift once they've done some work on it. Okay. And that's in a, in a short space of, of time, which kind of tells me that when you're not aligned, when you're um, in a more of a subjective emotional state, or you're in a state of pain or suffering, you really know what you want. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or you have like impure intent and so, like you said, it's like, it's nice to, to own a Corvette, but is it going to really, is it going to, what, what's that going to really do for you spiritually? Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. You know, and, um, and so I think a lot of what we think we want is on a lower frequency. And I kind of the whole point of that book is really need to get to the higher frequency, dealing more with, you know, the, the, like your higher purpose to really figure out what it is you even want. I mean, the more I meditate, about my intentions, the more I realize uh, I think I'm better off not wanting anything. I mean, I think that's really kind of where it goes to. Yeah. Is, you know, not, not, not always desiring, grasping for something, wanting something. Um, you know, we start the book off with the quest of somebody named Nicholas Rourke. 
And um, and he uh, was uh, 20. He was from the 1920s. He was like this kind of like a, a Russian Indiana Jones adventurer. OK, mm-hmm. and he went on a quest seeking Shambhala. He had with him like what was called a Chintamani stone. He acquired it from some spiritual master. And um, and, you know, he he was very much a holy grail quest for him. You know, I was, when I was reading his diaries of his journey. It was uh, at, at epic levels and, and it, it went lots of suffering. And, and I think at the end, what he got out of that was, um, you know, I think it helped purify him as to what he was even seeking for in life. Mm. And, um, and uh, he may or may not have found Shambhala, but he certainly didn't disclose it to the world. Yeah. Okay, so the whole point of what he was seeking for, I think, changed by the time he found whatever it is he think he may have found. You know, I, I would love to learn more about Shambhala, more about, uh, and believe it or not, I would love to learn more about another place that's referred to by uh, a, a group of individuals, very fierce warriors, uh, Valhalla. I mean, all of these, pla- you know, the, the, the Vikings, heaven, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, and, and so forth. Uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff. We are talking here today with our very special guests here on the program. Uh, they are Happy Hara and uh, John Dennis Cover. Govera, and we're talking about the Chintamani Crystal Matrix, Quantum Intention, and Wish Fulfillment Gem, and we're talking about it right here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's really a pleasure to have the uh, the two of them with us, uh, uh, Dennis, John, and uh, Happy. And <clears throat> I want to ask you, uh, uh, John, Dennis, um, you have, uh, I, I want to say, a title that would take half the show to go through, as well as the lineage. Uh, suffice it to say, my metaphysical primer happens to be the autobiography of a yogi. Mm-hmm. And every so often I get drawn back into that lineage because I had the privilege of meeting a, a Swami Vidya Dishananda, who is of the Self-Inquiry Life Fellowship. There's a monastery here in Montecito. I've also been associated with the RSF, uh, Self-Realization Fellowship, as well with uh, through Paramahansa. And then I met another gentleman um, who was, at the time, the last remaining living teaching disciple of Paramahansa, and that was Swami Kriyananda, Sri Kriyananda. And he had written a number of books, and so I had a pleasure of interviewing him before his passing. Uh, you seem to come from not specifically that lineage, although it seems like uh, you've got a lot of, um, I don't even want to say credentials, but experience or life living, if you will, in that in that in those particular areas, because uh, you are referred to as a guru. Is that correct? Yeah. Tell me absolutely. a little bit about. Tell me a little bit about John Dennis and and all of that. Well, I I mean I would just express it a different way. I have been really fortunate to study with some really incredible teachers. I mean, just amazing. And one of them is uh, you know Kriyanandaji, you know Goswami Kriyananda. Um, and a, a Zen, t- you know, a number of Zen teachers and Tibetan teachers as well, um, you know, and I've been a disciple of them. So, um, and when you do it, you're not, you're sort of like setting out to like, 
work on yourself. You're not like setting out to like achieve, you know, like you're not enrolling in college yeah. or, or like a professional school in a sense to, to achieve something. You're, you're, you're trying to like uh, learn something, you know? So for me, it was just a matter of like following, sort of like following those paths. And so each of them just um, added more uh, depth uh, and understanding uh, to what, you know, what I, what I was learning, you know? And so it, the good news for me is it, it, it kept me from getting like, you know, beforehand we were talking about people in boxes, mm-hmm. you know, it, it prevented me from like getting into like a box of, of, of certain sort and just like living in the experience, you know, of the moment, which is what it's all about. Uh, and then, you know, uh, as, as you were discussing also beforehand, you were uh, describing people who, you know, had different experiences or they had different philosophies, but you didn't want, you didn't want it to be named because the minute you name something, of course, somebody then, you know, puts, puts it in the box and they think they understand what it was that, what came up. And it's like, no, it's, it's what it is. It's not whatever you call it isn't what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and so, um, so th- for me, that's sort of what, what it is. And then just to kind of bring it to the, the Chintamani, uh, one of the things that I hadn't been taught. So Happy and I um, worked at a resort and we were doing, um, you know, a number of joint lectures. And this was sort of like one of the themes that we worked on. So uh, as we kept improving it, or if you want to call it that, or kept looking into it, kept doing more research into it, we'd find something. And then each of us would say to one another, it's like, whoa, did you know that? Um, So we were looking at... um, what I would just like the iconography, uh, like just from the Buddhist side of things. And and all of a sudden, I realized that nobody has really taught me this so far, but in every representation of the Buddhas, the Bodhisattvas, these beings, including Ganesh, I mean, just Hindu side, it's just you you go and you look and there's this wish-fulfilling gem that's in the picture. Yeah. And it's like, it's everywhere. It's not like it's just in a couple of pictures. It's in their auras. It's, it's like a pile of gems. And when they're on fire, then that's like a sign that it's the wish fulfilling gem. So a gem on fire is, you know, is especially about, it's awake, you know, it's, the, it's active. Yeah. Um, and so that really was like a part of the quest. It was like, what, what does this mean? It's like everywhere. And yet I haven't received a particular teaching about this at all. Hmm. Interesting. And it's, I will say that it's almost, almost along the lines of uh, the journey of the Buddha um, in that you weren't looking necessarily to be a guru, to be, let's say a sage, if you will. It just happened through the process that you were going through because you were just going through trying to, understand your place in the universe, so to speak, and, and how you can be of service and what have you. And voila, the next thing you know, there you are. And it, again, it wasn't something that your ego, your personality sought after. Uh, that is uh, John Dennis uh, Gover, and he is co-author along with 
Hapihara of the Chintamani Crystal Matrix here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I want to ask uh, Hapihara uh, about your uh, your background and and where you are today. I mean, uh, you, I don't think you have quite as long. <laughs> your biz, uh, uh, John Dennis business card is actually three pages long in very <laughs> fine print. Uh, I don't think yours is quite as long, but tell us a little bit about. Uh, um, shall we say, your titles or those things that you are recognized as in that oh, respect? Well, I, I've been trained, yeah, yeah, I've been trained in Reiki, um, and um, and also uh, I was trained uh, in Reiki along with crystal energy by a Reiki master, mm-hmm. and um, and I was already deeply into crystals even at that point, but I. I wanted to learn a little bit more about energy too, and um and so um so you, uniting the Reiki with the crystals, I think, really ramped up my ability to use energy. And then it was right after that is when I I actually met John Dennis, and I I consider myself a a student or a disciple of John Dennis's. I mean, he has taught me a lot. Um, How's that and- feel, John? John Dennis. <laughs> She's a great student. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so, um, but, but, but us working as a team works really well because, because I was the one kind of more obsessed with the crystals and I have all the crystals and the crystal energy. And then, and then John Dennis is, um, brings in the, like the, the yoga energy and, you know, the Tibetan wisdom and knowledge. So, I mean, it really, us working together dovetailed really well since we brought in very, very different um, experiences or learning. Um, uh, and um, but I'm, I may have also I have degrees in, you know, in behavioral psychology. And, you know, I, I've, you know, worked in help in therapeutic types of situations. I mean, but at some, at some point in time, both John Dennis and I both worked at Canyon Ranch as practitioners both, you know, working in astrology, astrogemology, he worked in feng shui, and I also, um, you know, uh, you know, worked in crystal energy and do, do a lot of lectures. I also like, um, you know, it's turned more into, I used to say I just dabbled in this, but it's turned a lot more than this is, um, you know, working with, you know, earth fields of energy too. So I've been doing a lot of research about ley lines uh, and um, and vortexes, and 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 most recently I've been doing a lot of research about Native American mounds, and that led into that led me into finding um, a, a whole myth, the, the Cherokee, the Native American Cherokee myth about the uh, stone called the Ulan suit, which is like their version of the of like this powerful wish fulfilling gem, which is also connected with a dragon, just like the Chintamani is in Chinese uh, mythology. Um, And it's this powerful, like clear crystal diamond like gem that's being held by a dragon. And the Native Americans have all these legends about it. And so I ran into that while, while kind of working, we're trying to find Native American mounds. I ran into that and we kind of got that into the book, but I've been doing a lot of a lot more research about that recently. Um, so I keep in, in all of my like, take travels, experiences, and researching the Chintamani. I just keep 
I mean, I feel like both John Dennis and I keep unearthing even more information about. I'm I, at this point, I think we could even write a second book about this. It's it's that much information. Yeah, and that's the one thing that I find so fascinating is that uh, the more you uncover, the more there is to uncover, in in so many different uh, arenas, if you will, and. Um, uh, so in a matter of speaking, the Chintamani Crystal Matrix, the book, which I have in front of me, which you folks can see uh, on the screen as you're watching the YouTube channel version of Tell Me Your Story. Um, it's like it's just scratching the surface. I mean, that's one of the things that I find so fascinating. Uh, a matter of fact, we were sort of kind of talking about this uh, earlier before we started this interview about, and I'll try to stay away from the names and what have you, but nonetheless, this particular curriculum that has so many people up in arms, and of course I think it's misnamed, uh, but um, the, the, the general gist of it is that we want to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The whole truth, the light and the dark, the yin and the yang. And not blame anybody, not make somebody a victim, uh, but understand where we come from, from all sides. And then know, and, and then that kind of explains why we are where we are. Do these, uh, does this Chintamani crystal matrix, and by the way, I, I, I love the, the diagram uh, on the, uh, the, the, the image on the cover of the book. It's that, that, this, that looks like something that I might draw. And then what I will do is I'll take all of my different colored pencils or felt tip pens, and I will color in all of the spaces, but no two adjacent spaces will have similar colors. I mean, that's, that's sort of my rule when I'm doing this. Uh, that's very, very cool. But let me ask you about, uh, we, you know, obviously there, there's the issue of the myths. Uh, uh, in regards to the Chintamani uh, uh, crystal matrix. But uh, there's also an aspect of space, time, intention, matter, and consciousness that are all entangled in crystals in general, not just the Chintamani. And nowhere is uh, this more evident than in the ancient gem archetype of the Chintamani, the wish fulfillment jewel, as, as it's stated here. Uh, known in legends around the world as the stone that grants your heart's desire. Now that's that's interesting. Your heart's desire, not your personality or your ego's desire. But then that means, and I'll go to you first, uh, 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 John Dennis. That implies to me that your heart here has to do with that inner voice that still small voice that will guide you through your entire life might challenge you. I've said this many times. It may ask you to turn left versus right, and it's telling you to go left because there's a little challenge down the road and a lesson that you might want to learn, and it won't put you in harm's way. You know, that's something that I think people need to understand. But it's there to inspire you, to educate you, to, to, to do many, many things for you and if you will with you so talk to me about this concept of the heart's desire well the first kind of interesting thing that is like shocking when you talk to chinese and japanese people if you haven't before you know it's like um 
you say, you know, you say, um, who's going to do something? Who's going to take me to the train station? And if you're an American, you just you point to your heart. You know, you'll say, I'm going to do it. If you're a Japanese or Chinese, you go, I'm going to take them. And um, they view that as like the, you know, the mind uh, that they're that they're already kind of connected. So the heart, you know, it, the heart thing is like it's an, in other words, it's an upper function of of your psyche, if you want to call it that, of your spirit, of your soul. And the other way of looking at it is the heart chakra is, you know, the uh, Venus chakra. So it's the place of love. So if it if it has to be something to do with um, your heart then it has to be like a higher function because it's connected to love and then hopefully unconditional love, you know, not just selfish love, but it's like, so it's, so it's that faculty that is like leading you. You know, um, first I, I need to jump here uh, to, to ask you happy to help us to understand um, as, as uh, uh, John Dennis has about the heart's desire about this this technology, the Chintamani, and I'm gonna to try to pronounce this correctly, I hope I get it right, uh, tachyolithic technology? Yes. What is that? Um, well, you know, that that's kind of a, a, a term that we sort of coined, and, it, and it, it means basically like stone energy. And so this is kind of getting into the concept of how crystals like quartz are pyroelectrical and piezoelectrical, okay? Mm. So what I do, like say when I'm, medit when I'm teaching people how to meditate with quartz, we're gonna go back to the heart for a second, is take like a clear quartz, warm it up in your hand, actually put some friction on it and get its energy going. This is like, like say the, the turning on switch. You have to go kind of warm it up in your hand and I tell people, put it over their heart, okay? Because what that, um, what that, Pyroelectricity, piezoelectricity is doing it. It's a harmonic. This is why they use it in clocks and watches because it harmonizes ticking. Okay. So once you have it over your heart, your heart's ticking too. Okay. It's bringing your heart more into harmony. And I'm kind of like through this meditation technique of kind of getting people to listen more deeply to their heart. Their heart is less stressed, it's ticking more harmoniously. The energy of the crystal is awake. Your, your heart is connected. And there is like this frequency. It's like, um, you know, where both the crystal and your heart are in harmony then. And it brings the, then the mind into harmony. And then you can like move, move like your mind center more into your heart. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, to me, this is like sort of a, maybe a tangible way of working with this tachyolithic energy but this goes all the way into stonehenge too because yeah. there was a reason why the druids or the ancients were putting crystals into were putting stones into circles and having rituals in them okay mm -hmm. and that's because when you put crystals into a grid you know or like stones like in stonehenge you put them into like a circular grid or other grids you increase the energy I mean, I've tested this with dowsing rods and stone circles all over the UK. They are they're like built like like some like 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 an engineering schematic. You go into the middle, every one of those um, stone circles, and my dowsing rods will spin. And then when I leave the circle, they stop spinning. So that's kind of telling me right there. Wow, the 
the stones are creating a grid of energy. Um, and wow. so, so I think of, I think of like the word tachyolithic as being kind of like a word representing you know, like, like the technology of crystal. Okay. Or the technology of stone. Incredible. We're talking with Happy Hara and John Dennis Gover, and we're talking about the Chintamani Crystal Matrix. That's the title of the book, The Quantum Intention and the Wish Fulfillment Gem. And we're talking about it here on Tell Me Your Story. And we are talking here on Tell Me Your Story with uh, our very special guests, the authors of The Chintamani Crystal Matrix, uh, John Dennis Gover and uh, Happy Hara. And I want to share a real quick story that was shared with me. And I sort of kind of, in a way, took it on uh, when it deals with money, when it deals with that aspect of abundance and prosperity and so forth. And I thought, boy, you know what? That would be a neat way to live. And the story, and I'll, I'll keep it brief because our listeners have probably heard this uh, more times than they would uh, care to think of. That uh, these two gentlemen, we'll call them um, Frank and uh, George. All right. And they get together one day for breakfast and they're having a great breakfast, enjoying the meal and the conversation. And, and uh, the bill comes to the table. And uh, Frank takes the bill and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out exactly the right amount for the bill plus gratuity. And they go on their way and uh, uh, George thanks him and so forth. And they get together a few weeks later for lunch. Same thing, great conversation about whatever it is they're talking about. The meal was delicious. The bill comes and Frank, once again, he takes and he reaches into his pocket pulls out exactly the right amount and then they go on their way thanks uh, so much frank appreciate it. it was great fun so forth and so forth a few weeks later they get together for dinner same scenario great food and conversation and the things they were talking about the bill comes and again frank takes it and he reaches into his pocket and pulls out exactly what he needs and as they're leaving they're outside the restaurant and uh, george says you know frank gets this is Odd. Now, first of all, I want you to know how much I appreciate the fact that you, you know, you keep picking up the bill here, the tab. But how is it that you always have exactly the right amount of money for for our our meal? I mean, how how could you know? You have no clue what I'm going to order and so forth and so on. He says, well, let me let me tell you a little story here, George. Um, some months ago, I found this lamp. And it was real dusty and everything. And I started uh, to, to clean it up and rub the dust off, you know, and so forth. All of a sudden, this genie comes out of the lamp and says, thank you for releasing me. I will give you one wish. So, wow, okay. And he's starting to think. And he says, now, remember, you can ask only for one wish, but you cannot, your wish cannot be that you can have more wishes. Okay, that's probably the only stipulation. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, uh, can I get back to you on this? Sure, no problem. Got plenty of time. So a few days go by and he finally comes back to the genius and says, I know what I want. I want to have the money that I need, if you will, the prosperity that I need, when I need it for the things that I need. Your wish is granted. 
And that is how he was able to pay exactly the correct amount each time. He never wanted for anything, didn't have a bank account with millions of dollars in it that he was tapping into. He just reached into his pocket and he had what he needed. And of course, for anything else, let's say he needed a, a repair on his vehicle, he would have exactly what he needed for that. And I have to, and I, I remember taking that on thinking, well, wouldn't that be the way to do it? You came into this world with a zero balance. You're going to go out. Uh, you'd like to go out with a zero balance. And I've often thought of these millionaires, billionaires, and I half suspect that by the time we're finished talking, there's going to be, if not one, more than one trillionaire. Who, who needs, really needs, that much money or the accumulation of assets to that that level and so on and so on and so on um and i i've actually attributed that to the concept of hoarding okay now there are some who have millions and billions of dollars who are doing a lot of philanthropic work that's wonderful but there are a lot more that aren't and they're just holding on to it and that's a form of hoarding you know Fill your house up with stuff so that you have a little path that you have to weave through, you know. To me, that's kind of what the Chintamani Crystal Matrix is sort of talking about, that not just in terms of money, but maybe in terms of experiences, in terms of relationships that are aligned with your life's purpose. Am I going down the right road or have I driven the Jeep off into a, off a cliff? You're well, going down I, the right road. <laughs> Go well, ahead, Happy. Yeah, and I and I um I immediately thought of two stories actually from the Bible when you were talking uh, as you were talking. The the first one was uh, you know God came to Solomon in a dream and asked him, "Okay, I'm going to get I'm going to give you anything you want. What do you want?" And Solomon prayed about it and thought about it. And he, he, he didn't ask for riches. He asked for wisdom. Okay. I think we mentioned that story in the, in the Chintamani crystal matrix. And oddly enough, he's one of the like individuals in, in history who is considered to have had a magic ring that may have been part of a Chintamani that he could, that he could, had special powers with. Okay. But he needed the wisdom in order to use it correct, mm -hmm. okay? And then the other story I thought of as you were talking is like Jesus, mm -hmm. who um, when it was time to pay taxes, you know, he just reached into a fish's mouth in the river and, you know, came up with a Roman coin and paid his taxes. I would love the ability to do that myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, but that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a nice skill. But again, like, you know, yeah, that was a very much like your story. You know, whenever Jesus needed money, he, you know, it's not like he was hoarding it. He just came up with it. Yeah. Just like he needed it. Yeah. You know? John Dennis, uh, would you like to uh, elaborate a little more on that? Or have we said all we need to say on that? Um, it, it's, it just comes down to one little moral, which is like, uh, how generous can you be? It's like uh, the, the Wish fulfilling gem is sort of like a, as you have it, it's a measure of your own generosity. Because you see this with people who win the lotto. 
You know, it's like they get the lotto and then they buy a house, they do that. And then pretty soon they don't have enough money to give to other people. Sometimes they do. I mean, they're, you know, their family or something, but it's like, you know, it's that sort of thing. Well, I need a million dollars before I can give, you know, away a hundred dollars or I need, you know, uh, it's that kind of quality, but it's like, if it just keeps coming from the heart, um, then it keeps replenishing itself, you know, because it's, uh, it's ever present. Right. Well, I, I have to say that a couple of observations on my part, uh, in terms of the last 40 years being in the, over 40 years being in this business, when I first started doing little projects for people, and I just was thinking about this only in the last week to 10 days uh, since this uh, coming up to this interview. And for the first 20 years in the 80s and 90s, I was doing all these little projects and I was and, and what I saw, OK, as the representation was 20 here, 20 there. It was a $20 bill, you know, 20 here, 20 there, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. And of course, it would it would build up. And, and, and of course, I would then spend it and no one's over it. Then we get into the 21st century and the first two decades of the 21st century, it went up to hundred dollar bills, hundred here, hundred there, hundred, 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 hundred. I'm into the third decade of the 21st century, and it's very interesting how, again, I don't have a lot of money in my bank account. It gets depleted pretty quick, but that's okay. But now I'm dealing in the thousands. I mean, a thousand here and a thousand there and a thousand here and a thousand there. Now, this has absolutely nothing with uh, uh, trying to, to, uh, to, to keep up with the Joneses or to try to uh, uh, fight off inflation or anything. It's just happening. I'm not doing anything in particular. It's just happening. So I went from $20 bills to $100 bills to, I don't know that they print them anymore, but $1,000 bills, which, you know, which is nice. And I always do seem to have what I need at a given time to get the things that we need for the household or for, for uh, the work that I do, you know, and so forth. Are we able to tap into this energy of the Chintamani crystal uh, without actually having, say, a physical physical crystal in our hands, that kind of thing, or in our presence? How, how do we, I guess maybe I should reverse that question, how do we tap into that energy so that we can, I, I, I want to say, release the angst, the concern over whether I'm going to have a place to sleep tonight, whether I'm going to have a meal tonight, whether I'm going to have this, that, or that. Because, you know, you talked about the Bible and Jesus. And uh, what is fascinating to me is that he even said to his disciples who were concerned about where they were going to lay their heads or what they were going to wear tomorrow or where their next meal was coming from. He says, do you see the birds up in the tree? They don't toil. They don't, they don't really do anything of a quote-unquote practical uh, deal and yet look at them they're taken care of they're cared for so how do we how do we access this this wonderful energy that can actually I think can reduce our stress because if we know that we know and we're aware that all of our needs are going to be taken care of Guess what? There's a layer of stress we don't have to be concerned about. We don't have to worry. Happy? Um, 
uh, you know, in our book, you know, like, like, and towards the, the lighter chapters, chapters 11 and 12, um, in, in chapter 11, we really like, like, like talk about more tangible meditations with crystals, like say grids, she's working with crystals, meditating with them. And so, so it's like connect actual connection with the crystal and how to connect, start connecting with your intentions, your wishes, your higher self using crystals. Okay. But then I think it transitions by the time you get to chapter 12, which by the way, John Dennis wrote most of chapter 12. Um, it is getting into more the subtle energy, the more refined, subtler energies, higher frequencies, and we're kind of leaving behind the tangible crystal and going and moving towards the intangible crystal, okay, which is connecting into the Chintamani. All right, so so getting back to your earlier question, like, oh, do you actually need to go find a physical Chintamani to access the Chintamani? I, I don't. I don't think that's completely the point, okay? I think this is has something to do with even finding your own inner gem within you, your higher power gem. It might be something locked deeply in your heart. Um, and, and even using like, say, meditation or, you know, or, or even yoga practices that we outlined in chapter 12 as a starting point to, Start discovering your own inner stone. I mean, even says in the book Revelation, the Bible, about how God or Jesus will give you a new stone with your name on it, like a white stone with your name on it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like, hmm, are they talking? Is that is that your own personal chintamani where you know who you are, you know what you want, and you know what you need to be doing in any given moment? Okay. And, and I almost think of that as like a life direction, like stone. Like sometimes I've even wondered, like if like, say, angels and higher forces actually know where they need to be because they have like this stone inside their heart. And it's like a directional guidance system. So 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 I I think I don't think this is completely about um, like just connecting to a tangible crystal. Now, I'm curious, uh, uh, John Dennis, would it behoove us um, to not, say, find a crystal or a rock? I mean, I walk the beaches sometimes, and I'll look down, and there's this rock, and I'm drawn to it, and I pick it up, and I might take it with me. Because I know there are more of these out in the ocean that are going to be washed up here. So I'm not actually depleting anything, and I can always put it back. But uh, do you think that that would defeat the purpose of the energies to, shall we say, uh, infuse a physical stone, uh, not necessarily with the energy, but using it sort of as an anchor, if you will, or a focal point? Uh, Does that sort of defeat the whole intention and process of working with the energies? Actually, not really. I mean, in a way, it's, um, it's a support. So if you've got, you know, if you've got a crystal, um, you can you can kind of connect to it and you can use it. And um, you could say the more distracted a person's mind is, the better it is to actually have a physical crystal because, it, it you know, it, it, it does provide an anchor. So it just depends on 
And it's and one day you're, you could be really calm and another day you could be more distracted. So on the day you're distracted, you use the crystal and the day that you're really calm, <clears throat> you just visualize. Hmm. So it, it isn't really, um, uh, no, it's not a defeat. It's actually sort of like a superior strategy. It's like, if you need it, then use it, yeah. you know? And it's like, but don't get, um, don't get sort of like, hung up on the fact that I must have it or I must not have it. You know, you, you're just like free to flow uh, because it's like, it's working with your, um, your ability to visualize and your ability to feel. And whether you have a physical one or whether you have the mind gem only, you still have to feel it, you know? So it has to, you know, be able to produce that sense of like, of that, that tangible energy that you palpably connect to your body. You can feel it in your body. You can feel it in your aura. John Dennis Govert and Happy Hara are my guests, the co-authors of the book, The Chintamani Crystal Matrix, Quantum Intention, and The Wish Fulfillment Gem, as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, it is a real pleasure to have these two on our program, the co-authors of the book, The Chintamani Crystal Matrix, uh, John Dennis Govera, as well as Happy Hara. And I wanted to ask the two of you, and I'll ask you obviously individually, um, John Dennis um, doesn't sound like, I, I mean, I'm expecting Swami something or other. Uh, is is that your given name, or is that something that you chose throughout this process of your learning and your experiences? Uh, it's my given name. Okay, so yeah. you just chose not to take on anything other than what you what you were uh, given from birth. Well, partly, but you know, if I, like if I'm just wearing Western clothes and I'm out, it's like you know, uh, I'm I'm in this context. You know, my, if I were doing a teaching, somebody might, you know, might refer to me as like sensei or, you know, like, another, you know, like, like some other uh, type. Uh, and, um, you know, so it, it's like I, I look at it as it's, it's part of the context in which the teachings happen. So there's times when if I'm just presenting uh, my, my, you know, given name, um, then it's, um it's informal, you know, it's like, I'm not putting pressure on somebody to like, get this or not get this, you know, it's just like, it's just an exchange. And, you know, if you're open to it, you get it. And if, if you're not, you can just let it pass. It's not a, it's not a problem. And how about you, Happy Hara? Uh, is that your given name or did you choose that? Or was it given to you uh, later in life as it were? Uh, so, yeah, my name is a little interesting. Happy, and it's spelled H-A-P-I, is my birth name, okay? So um, that is my first name. I grew up with that name. Later on, I actually changed my name into something else because I thought it sounded too weird, and now I've come back to it. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, so, yeah, ha Happy is my birth name. Well, you know, I, I find it interesting that throughout my life, I have done my utmost, especially in the context of interviews, to always get the names of our guests especially correct. To me, uh, I find it interesting. And, he, and there are times when I will jump into an interview before I ask, so how do you pronounce that last name? And I did this before we started with John Dennis to make sure that I had his last name 
um, correct. And uh, uh, Govert is is the last is your last name. Sounds a little on the French side. Am I correct on that? Still Frenchy, yeah. <laughs> we found out that our ancestors were sort of like straddling Germany and France, you know, on that side of the family. Oh, there you my go. There on you my go. dad's side of the family. The Chintamani Crystal Matrix is the title of the book, and Chintamani uh, Crystal Matrix, um, we're going to give out the, the website for all of this great information, uh, and that happens to be ChintamaniMatrix.com. ChintamaniMatrix.com. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Happy, uh, I have actually been, and it's been a long time, I mean, we're talking probably over 20 years. I've actually been to that Tucson gem uh, fair, or I forget what you call it. <laughs> Yeah. Tucson Gem and Mineral Show. A yeah. Gem and Mineral Show. Oh, my heavens. It's number one, huge. Just enormous. Uh, but um, uh, some of the things that you see there from some of the tiniest crystals to enormous, uh, you know, uh, bus size or maybe not yes. that large crystals. Uh, the size, how, how relevant is the size of a crystal to the the energy uh, that one can, um, how do I put this? Because the, even the crystal may have its own energy, but it's also a conduit, just as we are. I mean, I learned this as a Reiki master myself. I learned that, no, 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 that healing energy, that's not yours. That comes through you. You're a conduit. What about that in terms of the size of a crystal? Well, I mean, I, I think size does matter i mean <laughs> i mean you know like so i mean i don't have a quartz right on my table i have one about this size it's like a big chunk of tune guide but i'm usually telling people that a quartz crystal about this size a nice handheld one mm -hmm. is a good size for meditating and for because of the size of the human body okay so um you know, so I'm always encouraging people to get points about like that are nice handheld size ones. Okay, that that feels good in their hand. Um, of course, the clearer the court, the clearer the quartz, mm -hmm. uh, the the faster the transmission. Okay, mm -hmm. um, but now that doesn't mean that opaque crystals don't have something to do either because they can slow the light down. Okay, because they're more absorbent. And sometimes you want that because it can cause you to be more patient, more grounded, more centered. Okay. Or I think like clear quartz is more like, oh, you're transmitting energy. It's more of a transformation. It's faster to high, it's faster frequency. And so it kind of depends on what you're doing with it, you know. But I mean, certainly like a crystal the size of your doorway is going to be emitting a huge, a huge field of energy, which is why. Like in places like Stonehenge, they had huge monolithic rocks, which were made of granite, which have lots of quartz in them, because mm. they are emitting bigger fields of energy. Then, I mean, I've seen this with some of those monolithic um, large rocks. Like I can tell they're emitting larger fields of energy than, mm. than like, like a tiny one does. So... John Dennis, are, are there particular crystals that uh, you have uh, a greater affinity to? And maybe, obviously, depending upon the circumstances, it'll change. 
uh, but that that maybe you sort of um, have around your house or maybe you carry in a pocket or on a pendant or maybe on a ring. Uh, I know a lot of people, they do that because they feel that uh, it really does help them, so to speak, get through the day. Yeah, I have a, I have a few pocket rocks that I have. Right <laughs> 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 and I always have a, I always have a lapis, uh, which is connected to healing, you know, in a pocket or a ring or something, just, mm-hmm. just somewhere, uh, you know, just to, to connect in and, and just remind me that, you know, that that's what's, uh, that's present. So, uh, you know, like, again, it just sort of anchors in and then you can touch it and then you can go, okay, I could do a mantra now, just a little bit more easy. I, I just find it interesting that there are so many different modalities that can help us uh, to get through maybe certain circumstances, situations. Uh, I thought that I might turn to something like that um, when I would have certain experiences, but I didn't, uh, specifically speaking of the passing of my eldest sister back in April, uh, in March, um, and thinking, oh, need to, I need to do this, that, or the other thing. And I, I think that I did all of the preliminary work years ago uh, by taking on a whole different perspective on what it means to leave the body. Um, Tell me a little bit about the, the, the relationship that crystals can have on someone who is preparing to leave the body. Is there a way to make it, I don't know, an easier transition? I mean, I don't think it's that hard a transition. You know, that's the first thing I, I should have said that. First thing I thought about was how the Egyptians obsessively crystals on the deceased okay i mean they have you yeah. know when they dig up those mummies i mean they are encased in rocks and lapis you know like tutankhamen had this huge libyan golden glass scarab over his heart mm-hmm. and uh, they got coral and they got crystal and peridot especially lapis they love lapis they thought it was more valuable than gold so clearly they thought like a dead or dying body. It was important to encase it in crystal of some kind, okay? Like these gemstones, these precious stones. I mean, from um, like getting more like from a, a more practical perspective. I mean, like when people come to me, cause I'm a, a crystal energy consultant. I um, and people are in grief or they're dealing with surgery or dying loved ones and stuff. I mean. I, I'm always trying to do things that are simple, something something that's easy to get to. So black rocks are great, okay? You know, like black tourmaline, black Apache tears, um, black jasper. Though though the, the the black rocks help us to deal with our so-called more negative energy fields or sense of loss or dying or death, you know, or, or we return to Mother Earth in some way. Um, or even dealing with like electromagnetic smog or trying to repel negative energies. Um, I mean, I, even the legend around the Apache tears is interesting because, you know, those are black obsidian rocks that come from the Apache Indian Reservation here in Arizona. And um, the legend with them is that they, t- they, they cry on the, the, the black rocks and give their grief away. So it's not stuck in their bodies. Hmm. And, um, and I'm very fond of telling that to people. It's like, 
You know, you want to move through these passages and get, keep keep the energy flowing. And, you know, if, if holding a black rock and giving that energy to that rock helps you do that in a tangible way, giving it back to Mother Earth, what a great tool. Mm -hmm. I think that's the other thing, too, is uh, looking at them as tools. You know, yeah, they're pretty to look at and nice to hold and everything, but they are for the uh, more, I'll call it the more etheric arts, if you will, energetic mm -hmm. arts, uh, they're tools. And um, it's interesting how even in uh, some of the science fiction, like Star Trek in particular, with especially the early, in the 60s, when they were using the little device to, to scan, you saw lights going off. And I was, one of the thoughts that came to me was, gee, I wonder if they got lights going through little crystals or something, you know. Um, but as I mentioned at the front end of the program, one of the earliest forms of uh, radio was a crystal radio set. I think I built one. I, I don't remember if I got it to work or not, but I do remember building one. And it definitely has crystals in it. That's why it's got the name, crystal radio set. Uh, so certainly they can they can pick up the energy or the waves and that kind of thing uh, with a bunch of other uh, elements. We're talking today about the uh, Chintamani Crystal Matrix with uh, John Dennis Cover and uh, Happy Hara. And uh, you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I'm so pleased to have our guests with us here talking about this subject of crystals and crystal energy and and uh, um, quite honestly, not the necessarily the necessity. I don't think that either of you would say that we need to have crystals around us, but uh, they certainly can't hurt. I know that my uh, Vedic astrologer friend, his name is David Hawthorne. He has uh, uh, um, uh, Eastern astrology that he deals in, the Vedic astrology. And um, I wear uh, what's called a kavach uh, that has the etchings of my chart on it that I keep against my skin. But then he also recommends certain colors uh, and gemstones and crystals that you want to wear. Like, for example, if it's a ring, you want to make sure that when they design the ring, that there's a portion of the underside where the crystal is actually touching your skin. Uh, how imp what is the importance of, of let's say a gem having a gemstone and holding it in your hand or say having a ring designed to where it's actually touching the surface of your skin uh, and this kind of stuff in terms of having that contact is is there a, a significance to, a significance to that John Dennis uh, well, yes absolutely there is so one of you know one of the questions I asked where I was like, brushed back i guess and i was think i was i was asking um i think even goswami kriyananda was saying so what is the like the number one uh, yogic practice that you could possibly do and he said get the right gemstone that neutralizes your karma and then i was saying no but this is me i actually do practice you know it's like i'm going to do meditation i'm going to do mantras and things like that he goes no what i'm saying is get get the gemstone that neutralizes the karma uh, you know that that you've got that's that's like your number one step and so like like you say it you know if it's touching you then um you know it, it's uh you have access to that that energy a little bit more and it's continuously on you know it's like um 
you know, normally it's like we, we go up and down in our emotions and things like that, but it's like the, the ring is just like a steady amount of energy that keeps yeah. coming in and then keeps bringing you back to, you know, to the, to the center. Happy, how important is our in, uh, our intuition, listening to that still small voice, uh, whether you're dealing with crystals or not, and just going from moment to moment, hour to hour, day to day, and so forth? Um, well, you know, I'm always testing people's intuition in in uh, in, in uh, sessions I do, and I and I, I frequently tell people don't always go for the pretty crystals with the eye, hold them and see how they feel in your hands. And I actually have this practice where, like, when I have people, like, I have them build like this medicine wheel of crystals. I I get the pretty crystal out of the way first. Like, okay, pick the crystal you like on the table. Let's get that one out of the way. Then I have them actually close their eyes and feel the crystals, okay? And more into like having their body feel it. And always, whatever shows up with that, it's all, it always seems to come down to a mineral that their body is craving, whether it could be calcium, iron, might be even trace copper. It's frequently something that the body is craving, okay? Like might be deficient in or needs it for balance. That happens a lot. But also, I think of, I think of crystals as like vitamins or minerals for the auric field. So you know, we actually are always taking things internally, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. But you know, but there might be a reason why we're wearing them too, okay. Like we need the 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 bio the the the, the chemistry of the crystal actually on us. Because the, bo- the body of the aura is absorbing at a whole different level than actually ingesting it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, so when you think about, you know, people wearing jewelry and crystals, and we we're kind of obsessed with it when you really think about it. But here in the West, we've lost touch with why we are doing it. Uh, if you look in the Eastern traditions, they know why they're wearing those certain crystals. Over here... We're doing it kind of haphazardly, and we don't know why. We're putting so much money into these little crystals, these pretty little jewels, and we're wearing them. We don't even know why, but we're kind of obsessed with it. What is the um, what is the mission statement behind the Chintamani Crystal Matrix, if if we can put it in that kind of a context, uh, John Dennis? Uh, wake up to your higher nature, engage your higher nature, um, engage your, um, you know, some people call it your divine nature. Um, and uh, some people will call it enlightenment. Uh, and then it's, so the uh, the Chintamani is, the you know, the means to get there. It's the goal of getting there. And, um, you know, and it's sort of like the beginning object in the sense that that sets you off in this direction. So um, all along the journey, it is, you could say it's the manifestation of your evolving, um, even if, you know, if you, whether you consider yourself at the end of your spiritual evolution or not, it is part of this continuous process of opening up, evolving, becoming more and more aware, um, engaging your uh, enlightened awareness all the time and in- engaging therefore your compassionate side also, which is, you know, uh, which is the companion to wisdom. You know, the two of them have to work at the same time. 
Happy, I want to ask you about, uh, uh, you know, it's a word that uh, uh, John Dennis has used already multiple times in just the last uh, 60 seconds. Um, and I have said this over and over again, and I really do believe it does apply here. It really does. Because crystals come from the natural world. And that phrase or, or saying that I have, have been promoting for years is nature is our greatest teacher. Your thoughts. Um, so I, 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 I don't know why I'm thinking about the Hebrew breastplate for a second. Okay. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, of course, working in crystal energy for um, a while. And I, and I was raised as a Christian. So I'm, I'm steeped in the Christ Christianity. And, um, and sometimes I have Christians come to me and say, well, this is witchcraft. This is, you know, whatever. And I'm like, but God made all the crystals. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then like in the, in the old Testament, the, the high priest was wearing a breastplate of 12 gemstones and he had to wear that in order to go before the Ark of the covenant and administer or communicate with God. Okay. Over the mercy seat, he had to wear this special costume that had this breastplate. So I think of the breastplate with all these crystals as um, an integral part of the functioning of the Ark of the Covenant. You know, kind of like a bridge between God and man communicating. He had to wear this, this special breastplate with these 12 gemstones. And those come from the natural world. God created them. And, you know, even in Hebrew, in Hebrew legend, it was said that God communicated with the high priest through those particular crystals too on the on the breastplate, like they would light up and stuff. And so, so kind of getting back to like the natural world is our greatest teacher, even in something like that, that profound, like sort of spiritual technology from the Old Testament, they were using crystals. So it's not like new age, you know, yeah. pagan witchcraft stuff. This isn't the natural world, and it's found in all religions, in all spiritual, you know, like especially the deeper, the deeper, like the the really ancient old religions are all using crystals mm -hmm. to for healing, for communication with God, for enlightenment. Interesting. We're talking about the Chintamani Crystal Matrix. That's the title of the book, Quantum Intention and the Wish-Fulfilling Gem. I would highly recommend before you go off on some tangent with that phrase, the wish-fulfilling gem, you better read the book because, or go back and listen to this interview because it's not what you think. Uh, and I think that's extremely important for people to get, uh, uh, to get uh, we, that we get through to them is that this isn't about making a wish and it comes true, uh, like from a genie or something. Uh, but uh, it's it's really about uh, the intention, quite honestly, for your life. What is your life's intention? That kind of thing. Uh, this is uh, this is what we're talking about here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're talking with our very special guest here on the program. John Dennis Cover and Happy Hara, and we are talking about the Chintamani uh, Crystal Matrix, and uh, ChintamaniMatrix.com is the website. We will be linked to that website, as with all of our guests, so that you can go there and, and find out more about what they are doing and the work that they are doing. Um, do you, uh, do the two of you, uh, whether you go together or individually, 
uh, do you hold uh, any kind of workshops or seminars or gatherings where uh, you try to uh, share this, especially, let's say, for example, at, uh, uh, say, the Tucson uh, 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 Gem and uh, um, Precious Stones affair, if you will? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I've historically, in the past, I used to be a dealer at the Gem and Mineral Show. And, um, and, and of course, I've, I've held events, you know, um, privately. And, um, and I have done workshops online. But I also work at Canyon Ranch here in Tucson. And that's mainly where I do a lot of my crystal work. I hold workshops there. I do weekly lectures. I do like three different kinds of crystal energy sessions um, and sell crystals there too. So that's, that's probably mainly where I'm doing a lot of my crystal energy work. But I also do sessions via Zoom. I do astrogemology, crystal energy, crystal meditations via Zoom as well. Uh, just before we jump over to you, uh, John Dennis, uh, Happy, do you, you you sort of exhibited uh, sort of a, um, and maybe it's an intuitive thing, um, uh, sort of a, a supernatural, if you will, um, expression like, uh, well, the, what the thought has come to me is the, the, the breastplate that the that the priest wears going into the, the, the Holy of Holies and so forth in the temple. Uh, it, you know, that kind of tells me, that, okay, well, she's kind of tapped in there and she's letting her intuition just just take her where it will take her. Is that, uh, uh, is that one of, sort of, so to speak, one of your um, other tools, if you will? Oh, you, yes, I, I am intuitive. But, but frequently when I'm doing like astrology, because I, I kind of do this specialty, specialty astrogemology where there's a crystal aligned with every one of your planets. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and what I do is I take the chart and lay all the crystals on the planets. Okay. And then, and then while I am talking to the person, it's the crystals telling me what karmically needs to happen with all those planets. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very different approach to astrology. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's really the crystals kind of telling me, it's not just tell me what's going on in that position, but what needs to happen to empower, heal, or balance that position by using crystals. Now, and I don't just tell them that, oh, you have to work with this crystal. It's actually telling me the energy that they need to start doing in their lives. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it goes beyond the crystal, but the crystal is giving me that information. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I kind of think of that as like alchemical astrology. And yet, and it is, I'm, I'm having an, an intimate connection with that crystal because I'm kind of obsessed with crystals. So I, crystals talk to me. Okay. So, so I, I'm able to tap into that. Um, so, yeah. So as soon as you said that, whatever that pre previous question was, the breastplate popped into my mind, like, oh, that was God using the natural world to talk to man, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? What about you, John Dennis? Uh, any expressions in that regard? Um, well, there's this particular practice called uh, Dzogchen, which means great perfection. And uh, actually, the crystal is used to teach this profound teaching. And it's really, you know, I'll, I'll do it quickly and simply. So it's like, mostly we get confused, but we get confused because there's three different actions that happen in a crystal. 
So, you know, so first of all, the light hits it and then it bounces off. So there's there's like reflection, right? Then there's a second where it hits the crystal and it illuminates the inside of the crystal. So it creates light in the, you know, in the middle of the crystal. And then the third one is the light also hits it and it refracts into rainbow colors and, you know, uh, scatters around the room. And each of those things is just an activity of the mind. And uh, so the problem you could say that we have as human beings is we confuse these three things. You know, we, we get from time to time sidetracked, but it's that our mind does all of these three things. And so uh, what, what the teaching is, is just to sort of like sit with it, to look at it and just see it's like, oh, you know, what's happening in my life is refracting. What's happening is reflection. You know, what's happening is inner illumination. You know, uh, for just moment to moment, you don't have to like combine them all into like one thing, but it's like, as it's happening, you you see it and then you realize, yeah, that's it. And so actually when it's being transmitted to you, this teaching, they use a crystal and they don't use a giant one. They'll use like, like maybe the, the size of the crystal that uh, Happy was showing you before, like a handheld size, that's all. A handheld, yeah, handheld crystal, you know, and... And it doesn't even necessarily have to be perfectly clear because it's just part of nature. Yeah. And each of us is like, you know, the mind is natural. The enlightenment is natural. Yeah. We're talking with the Happy Hara and John Dennis Gover, and we are talking about the Chintamani Matrix here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we are coming to a close for this particular edition of Tell Me Your Story. And I always hate for these uh, to come to a close, but we all have other things that we have to get on with our lives about. Uh, but it's been great to spend this time with the two of you. Uh, and I thank you so much for giving us so much time on this program. Oh, thank you, Richard. Thank you for inviting us. This has been a great interview. Well, thank yeah, you. It's, it's definitely been uh, my pleasure and our pleasure to you know talk to you and you ask great questions about this. Well, I do have three final questions for each of you, uh, but I'll ask those after I let you know, listeners and viewers, that you can listen to this program on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story, and we stream those times live at richarddugan.com. We have podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player <laughs> FM, Blackberry, Blueberry, not Blackberry, Blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And um, as I mentioned earlier, we're on YouTube, where you can see uh, Happy Hold Up That Crystal. Uh, <laughs> see what that is. And you can see that, I have to say this, uh, uh, John Dennis, that beautiful, beautiful beard of yours. That is, that is magnificent. I love it. I love it. Uh, one day I'm going to let it, I've had it grow out real, uh, but I look more like a mountain man. So I got to, I got to keep it cleaned up. But uh, one day I'll, I'll be uh, as, I'll, I'll probably have as white a hair as you and I'll love it. I will absolutely love it. So, uh, but folks, uh, we also ask that you participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to go within and listen to that still small voice and spend time in that quiet peaceful calm space all right and if you'd like to support the work that we're doing if what we've been talking about resonates with you and you'd like to be a part of the uh, uh the an endeavor to as i've said before change the world for the better for all people 
And you can do that on a financial level. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And thank you, thank you, thank you to those who have helped and to those who will help. And with that all being said, I now go to my three final questions for each of our guests, and I'll bounce it back and forth so that each of you has an opportunity to think about your answer while the other is answering the question. And I'm going to start with you, Happy. Who is Happy Hara? Who is Happy Hara? <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, happy is, um, you know, somebody who is on a spiritual quest. She spent her whole life seeking out truth and meaning, and um, and and seeking out uh, a connection with the higher forces. Um, that's a that's a kind of an on the spot question. <laughs> well, and now who's on the spot? John Dennis. <laughs> Who is John Dennis Govert? A suit of clothes for my spirit, my my late my latest suit of clothes. That's, that's I noticed. Good. I noticed you chose not to wear a tie with that suit of clothes. Yeah, I didn't today. Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, John Dennis, the second question for you: What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? Uh, I want to uh, share the the uh, what I've learned about the, the search for enlightenment and for and self realization, you know. And I want to share that with people in a way that is demystifying, uh, you know. That it's it's practical uh, and it's couched in direct, you know, sort of like direct terms. Uh, you can't get away from all the symbology uh, itself, but. Uh, that it's like a, a steady sort of influence, and and that's uh, what it is. Opening that wisdom, compassion, skillful means channel to be enlightened. And happy, uh, what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I I, I feel like I've always tried to. I'm I, a lot of what I've done is to help people find their path in life. Now, sometimes you have to stop and do some healing in doing that. Sometimes you have to try to figure out who you think you are now to kind of figure out who you really are. But it's it's like I, I've always felt like I'm I'm here to help people find their path in life and and in it ultimately toward more their spiritual path and lead them towards higher higher spirit. Now, happy. This last question goes to you first. What is your life's purpose? Well, I think I think it has a lot to do with the Chintamani. I think my life's purpose is it is um, I'm seeking enlightenment, and I'm I'm using crystals to get there. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm surrounded by crystals, and they seem to be tools I'm I'm using to help help find light enlightenment. But I mean, my life's ultimately I think it is to find is is to is to um it's profound union with my higher self and with god whoever that is mm. i'm i'm seeking higher union with the higher source it may be higher being higher you know higher self god i'm not saying i know totally what that is but i'm seeking union with it and finally, John Dennis, what is your 
life's purpose? My life's purpose um, is I've been fortunate enough to study with many great teachers. And, and in a sense, they've helped me so much that part of my gratitude is that I want to I want to synthesize, integrate their teachings into my life, but I want to be able to pass that, that particular path on. And I think that this particular book, the Chintamani uh, connection that we've got, the Crystal Matrix, uh, is you know turned out to be an important step that I wasn't like anticipating, uh, and it's it's like this teaching that that just keeps coming coming through. So I want to share that, and I want to share this particular yoga that my um, teacher master Chuan taught me which is called um the spiral dragon mm. well the chintamanti crystal matrix is a gift that just keeps on giving doesn't it, it does. <laughs> well i want to thank you both once again for joining us here on tell me your story sharing your stories as well as uh the story of and the information in the uh, chintamani uh, crystal matrix and uh, we look forward to having you back again to uh, maybe talk more about this, maybe get into some other specifics uh, as to um, how we can begin that process. And I know from your perspective, Happy, um, as, a, as an astrologer using crystals in that regard, that every person has a different set of crystals that are associated with their chart and uh, that there might, it might behoove them after having had a reading with you, uh, might behoove them to maybe go out and get a few small, maybe small, 12 small stones uh, and so forth. But I also know, too, that there is an association, which we'll have to get into in another program, with the full and new moons, as well as the equinoxes and the solstices, solstices uh, and, and, uh, and all of the other, uh, all of the other points uh, in that particular uh, circle. Uh, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of one's astrology uh, chart, so we'll have to talk about that on another program. And I hope that you folks will join us again. Yes, I would love to. Yeah, it'd be my pleasure to do that, Richard. Great. Well, we'll yeah. set that up and have you back. And I want to thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story. New paradigms for a new world. As we are giving you you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, video cast, love to Lal and Jeanette. I am listening. <laughs>